Blog Talk Radio. Hello, this is David Williams with the Great Spirit Relay Report. Starting three minutes late. And I'm going to patch over here to the conference line so I can record this on both sides. The conference call line has an auto transcription feature. And um, I'm going to try to use that. Okay, looks like like I have it going now. Okay, so basically today is the 5th of December, Wednesday. I uh, have a week, every week, an hour that I can do this podcast. And um, this is set up for the Great Spirit Relay, which I took that uh, idea of project that was started in 1986 with my friend Masao Napashi, the Japanese Buddhist monk at the time in 1976 that I took up the drum and the chanting from. And um, he went to Big Mountain with a crew and the idea was you don't have to walk all the way or Great Spirit All My Relations Relay Marathon Walk and Caravan. So I figured well, I'm one guy and one vehicle I can't walk and drive at the same time. So I planned a kind of a whistle stop tour talking to various uh going to various cities, walking around the block, beating the drum, chanting for peace, asking for a proclamation of a season of unity, harmony and peace. When the mayors along the way, the Tucson mayor gave us a proclamation, went to the Rainbow Gathering in Georgia, my friend Wave joined me. We went to Atlanta to the Carter Center, joined Napashi's daughter and grandson, and walked from the Carter Center to the King Center. And then Wave and I did a tour up the coast to 15 cities, walk around the block, beat the drum, ask the mayors for a proclamation. The only one that did was the mayor of Petersburg. Very perfect, exactly followed the draft. And then we went to uh, the White House on August 30th, had a nice newspaper article, and I stayed in the wave, came back. We did a global peace council and created a global peace plan that's the top post on the Great Spirit Relay Facebook page. That's Great Spirit Relay all run together, where you can also find the post dated today, this morning, December 5th, with all the posters I've created, flyers for the events I'm going to talk about right now. And then um, after Wave left, I went up to uh, New York for the 100th anniversary of the Armistice Day, 11 o'clock in the morning. They observed that at the John Lennon Imagine Memorial. Walked over to the United Nations that Sunday, crossed paths with the Veterans Day Parade in New York, and uh, made my prayer at the United Nations all on the idea of this global peace plan to get public and governmental um, understanding and acceptance. So then I came straight back to Taos, New Mexico, uh, after visiting some relatives in Rhode Island to meet with my longtime friend and associate, Reverend Yusen Yamato, who's the initiator of the Global Peace Walk Project, which we started in 1995 
This was kind of inspired by the 1990 Rainbow Uprising campaign in Santa Barbara, which you can see the video, two-hour edit of 20 hours of video of a week of events in recognition of Fuji Guruji's fifth year passing away anniversary and also the fifth year anniversary of the planting of the Tree of Peace on campus at UCSB. So the Hopi interpreter, Thomas Banyaka, and the Nipponzan Yohoji monks, the disciples of Fuji Guruji, came. Yamato was there. He was a beats the drum and chants the Namun Yoho Rengeko like the rest of us. But uh, his, not the Nipponzan Yohoji order, he's a Soto Zen lineage order. And he took up the drum and the chanting from his grandmother, who is an Ainu a shaman. Yamato's Ainu is the indigenous people of Japan, descendant, and she was a friend of Guruji, and from him he took up, she took up the drum, and then when I met Yamato in 1978, he had, had his grandmother's drum, and that's where he got started on all that. He's one of the, maybe, I don't know, one of the last generation of to go to the regular monastery school since a child and be trained in all these um, martial arts and all the Buddhist understanding. And um, so I really respect him. And uh, he's moved to Taos here uh, five years after we did the Global Peace Walk in 1995. Came back from New York to San Francisco for the United Nations 50th anniversary um, to bring out the prayer for global peace now as a universal human resolve to observe the United Nations 50th anniversary and try to draw attention back to the original purpose of the United Nations Charter to remove the scourge of war from the future generations, which he really hasn't done. And so we wanted to do that, or we want that to be done. And so following Fujiguruji's lead on focusing on the United Nations to kind of correct its ways, in the same way that the indigenous people tried to do December 10th, 1992, when for the first time they were able to speak to the General Assembly. And uh, among the speakers there was the Hopi interpreter, Thomas Banyaka, who explained, much as St. Nichiren explained 700 years ago to the shogunate government of Japan at the time, that they're making up laws and enforcing them by violence and the threat of violence instead of paying attention to the invitably sovereign cosmic law, the law of gravity that everything works by, that Thomas Banyaka called the, the law of nature, and that the St. Nichiren and then the, his following, Namo Myoho Rengeko, it's the Myoho, the wonderful law, the same principle that, uh, that I understand as a scientist is what Einstein meant by unified field theory, set of equations to describe all the physical reality, all events in nature, no matter where or when, with 100% certainty, this idea that there isn't, number one, there is a, a perfect truth. It's not, truth is not a made-up thing you get people to believe in, and that's what makes it true. But it's a real thing, and behind that, there's this natural order, this natural law by which everything operates. So when Thomas Banyaka talked to the United Nations and explained this, he, there was a big rainstorm brewed up and uh, turned out the lights in the United Nations the next day as though to emphasize his message that we have to pay attention to this natural law and order that's symbolized by 
the great law of peace that the tree of peace stands for, represents, and it's symbolized by the the uh, many, many different ways in different cultures. But I don't want to digress too much now. I've used up 11 minutes, so I want to talk about what I, the agenda here that I posted in the the post this morning. Basically, um, I'll start from the closest thing that's coming, which is um, by coincidence, one of those kind of coincidences, I came here to help Yamato plan for the next year's Global Peace Walk, April 8th to April 22nd, which this will be the 25th annual walk. Instead of going from Santa Fe to Taos, it'll go from Taos to Santa Fe to the Santa Fe Indian School with the idea of his idea is planting a cherry tree again as a symbol of the message of peace, as he's done every year walking from Santa Fe to Taos. But now also, the, because he was there in the 1990 ceremony with Jake Swamp, the Mohawk chief, that gave us the teaching of the peacemaker and the great law of peace, in that video you can see on YouTube called Rainbow Uprising of Consciousness Campaign, um, this inspired the Global Peace Walk, and um, when we came through Taos in 95, the mayor of Taos was the first mayor to proclaim his city as a global peace zone in respect to this prayer for global peace now. And since then, every year, um, over the years, the mayors of Taos and Santa Fe and other cities too, but that's where he's based now, have made this kind of proclamation. And this year... Uh, in 2018, in April, the Santa Fe Mayor's Proclamation also mentions the big event Yamato's convening in the year 2020 for the United Nations 75th anniversary Global Peace Forum in Santa Fe in his belief that it's uh, realistically possible to bring together the Dalai Lama and the, uh, the Pope for the first time in person together. This is based on the being a large Tibetan and also Catholic community in Santa Fe, and Yamato's long relationship with His Holiness Dalai Lama, who gave the blessing when he met him in person in India for the Global Peace Walk, and who Yamato arranged uh, with Thomas Banyaka several times over the years of meetings with His Holiness the Dalai Lama, and that ended with the opening the door ceremony in October of 1991 at the United Nations. So, what, but after I got here, um, we met with Harmon Houghton from the Native Media Network, who's working with Yamato to help pull off this Global Peace Forum. Uh, and he gave us a flyer, explained that the Tibetan monks are coming to do a green Tara sand mandala painting, a sand painting in Santa Fe um, starting on December 8th which coincidentally is the anniversary of the Buddha's enlightenment. And then going through the 16th of December when they scatter the the sand that they make the, the green Tara mandala in this case. They do many different types of mandala, but I was particularly taken to stay and focus on this because of my experience with Wade's brother, Reed Stowe in North Carolina, and I'll get into that in a bit, but his real intense uh, use of the green Tara symbolism and um, his meditation. <laughs> so when Carmen explained that this was happening, 
then I decided to, talking to Yamato afterwards, changed my plan instead of being back in Los Angeles to be with Jose Munoz, the Mayan sacred calendar keeper, for his event starting December 8th, postponed to go back after this Sunday, 9th, June, uh, 9th of December ceremonies uh, with the Tibetan monks in Taos. And the first one will be at 11 o'clock in the morning on uh, the Kit Carson Park with the indigenous people hosting uh, a ceremony for water protectors, protecting the water. They have a local issue on the water where they want to drill into the aquifer and Taos and pipe it down the hill to Santa Fe. So there's a lot of consciousness about the water and the Tibetan monks are doing a water protector blessing. And then after that at 1 o'clock at the uh, Taos side of the Gorge Bridge, they're going to do a green tara, a suicide prevention ceremony. And because it's the green tara focus on the San Mandala, this is a, in their custom, this is a, um, symbolizes a divine protection and guidance. So to protect them, uh, jumping off the bridge kind of thing, they'll do this ceremony. Reverend Yamato will be participating with them. And then um, he's proposed to help address this suicide issue and, and for other deeper spiritual reasons to create what's called a stupa at, at the Gorge Bridge on one side or the other, in either on the government side, maybe in the rest area, or on the land side, the Taos side that's owned by the Taos Pueblo people, to build a basically a shrine to uplift people's spirit so that they uh, as and the message behind it and all the ceremony and creating it and the word going out to not just a memorial for the people who have jumped off the bridge but some kind of uplifting um, shining light so to speak of, of spiritual vibe from such a, a stupa or sacred shrine, because there are many kinds of stupas. The, typically, the Buddhist stupas are most well-known where they enshrine a little bit of the ashes of Shakyamuni, the sage of the Shakya clan who became known as Buddha, and they put a little bit of his ashes in all these stupas, peace pagodas, the Japanese monks call them, around the world from ancient times. But even predating Buddhism, the concept of a stupa as a memorial, as a spiritual monument is prevalent throughout uh, the, mostly the East and history. In modern times, in 1975, they, in uh, India, they built a, uh, what's called the Sarvadharma Stupa. It's not a Buddhist stupa, but it's dedicated to the union of all religions. And it looks like a giant pillar with a lotus on top of it there in Prashanti Niliam, built by Sri uh, Satya Sai Baba. So the stupas can take many forms, but this is the, just a word to describe the kind of monument that Yamato wants to build, a large one somewhere in Taos, a uh, regular Buddhist stupa, and some kind of memorial like that on the, the this uh, spiritual issue that the people are so um, depressed that they'll take their lives. So I, I'm particularly taken with this uh, the green tower symbolism because as I explained, um, I, I met Reed Stowe in North Carolina, and 
I was kind of blown away at his uh, how how deeply he got in. He is into this. Okay, well, if you go to the, the Facebook page, Green Tara, T-A-R-A, Sangha, and I spelled it S-A-N-G-A, and look down, you'll see video interviews with him explaining what I'll tell you just very shortly. He's an artist and a craftsman, and he and his brother Wave and family built this custom boat. And then Reed sailed it around, not a, more than around the world. They outfitted it with all the food they needed. And the amazing thing was using his kundalini yoga meditation where you visual, the people that practice that visualize the energy going up their chakras to get into this lower brain rhythms meditative state. And he visualized the image of the green tower going up these different chakras, practices developed as a young man, and it gave him such uh, peace of mind and um, tuned into the creator, the divine guidance, whatever you want to call it, where he was able to spend 800 days alone at sea, out of sight of land, and not freak out. I would freak out and set the world sailing record of 1,152 days nonstop without resupply. And um, this has inspired me to start a that Green Tara Sangha Facebook group and then also to take off on the Rainbow Peace Fleet idea of a fleet of boats carrying the message of peace, such as that symbolized by the six symbols on the Global Peace Pole that we consecrated, empowered at the March 11th ceremony this year at the UCSB Tree of Peace where we had Jake Swamp in 1990 and um, that's the peace poll we took to the White House to offer the president to use to put in the White House with a stand in a circle and didn't get any result as yet but to carry that message of peace around the world on a boat or a fleet of boats Inspired by this Green Tower message, we have the Green Tower Rainbow Peace Fleet group. And then the Myoho Maru project came out of that as an idea to take one of these boats on the Rainbow Peace Fleet. And the Myoho, again, is the wonderful law, the Dharma. And Maru is the Japanese, um, all the boats in Japan have Maru after their name. It's symbolizes going out in a circle and coming back to your, safely to your port. The Myoho Maru project is to acquire, if we can, that same boat that's now named the Schooner Anne that Reed sailed around the world, or any other boat that we can, and take it on a, uh, rename it to the Myoho Maru, and then take it on a voyage from San Francisco to Nicaragua, in respect of Brian Wilson down there, the, one of the founders of Veterans for Peace, who's an expat down in Nicaragua where there's a lot of stuff going on that we can address, and then sail to Japan and back to India as a kind of reflection of the Buddha Dharma impact in America back to the land of its origin in India. And I, I, um, in, when I, we were in Washington, D.C., um, it turned out that the came across on the Facebook the Leonard Peltier Freedom Ride 2018 uh, led by Ken Forcloud who had been meditating on the idea of riding horses from South Dakota to the Coleman prison in Florida where Leonard Peltier is in prison for several years and he has a 
similar to me as a scientist. I, I don't. It's very hard to develop to use interdisciplinary terminology on these things because green Tara is more than a symbol, and his uh, symbol or his guide uh, called Yellowbird. He calls Yellowbird. Um, which he says gave him guidance from the creator. I, in discussing with them all on the Facebook chat and everything, I made this analogy where I could see how the success of the Leonard Peltier Freedom Ride, all the paired of smoothness that they went on their way, where all kinds of coincidences happened in their favor. And that, to me, is a sign of the operation of the law of nature is when you have coincidences that go in your favor or the uh, synchronicity, serendipity, whatever you want to call it, sacrednicity, Jose Munoz calls it. When there's a lot of favorable coincidences going your way, then to me that means you're doing something right, and that's what they experienced all the way, guided by this yellow bird symbol, entity, uh, mental construct, whatever to call it. And I really respected that, and it it, uh, it was proven out because, and, but for example, um, we had a little mix-up, and uh, at one point um, they had agreed to come in early before November 1st, and uh, but everybody was busy and didn't follow the Facebook stuff closely, and so I scheduled with their agreement October 20th to come in, camp together for a week, and then walk in on November 1st. But um, it turned out that uh, that didn't happen. And uh, I had been given information from somebody there that, oh, they could get support from the mounted police to escort them, riding their horses to the White House from the Capitol Mall and such. It was based on some of that kind of information that I made this proposal that was accepted and then um, then it couldn't be followed through on their schedule, uh, whatever. They couldn't manage it to, to come through uh, on October 20th. And then the, just the last day before they came in on November 1st, then uh, I got a call from one of the people with them and got back online with them and helped guide them into the Capitol Mall there next to the American Indian Museum. Great-grandmother Mary Lyons came, the elder, and then shortly after the time she got there, all the Capitol Police showed up in the different agencies, the National Park, all at once, probably in response to the email I sent to the permit officer earlier. And they negotiated out a plan, but it would be impossible to walk the horses anyway, even if they had come in the the, the week, you know, the, on the 20th. So it worked out that they got a police escort to Lafayette Park, got to be there at the White House at the end of their ride for Peltier clemency and take pictures. And it, it wouldn't have happened right if the October 20th date had gone through because there was a lot of people there that day, but the information I had was not true. The police guy said, no, nobody can give you authority to ride the horses from here to there, not even the president. So this is just not a very good ex- way of not communicating very well about it, but just to point out that whatever guide a person adopts in their life with the intention of getting 
guidance from the creator, guidance from the spirit to guide their life to more or less, as they say in Islam, to surrender your personal will to the will of the one God, to look for what you should do based on whatever spiritual entity you um, can believe in, basically, or feel uh, drawn to, whether it's uh, yellow bird or whether it's the green Tara or whether it's Jesus or Buddha or whatever, if you your belief tunes into something good that allows you to get that that um, guidance in your life and you find a lot of favorable coincidences going your way, then from my point of view, you're on the right track. So that's covered the first couple of things I wanted to talk about. And uh, a lot of things have happened very quickly since I've been here. The um, water... Uh, ceremony and the and the monks Tibetan monks being here and the, by the way that uh, all that will be on the video done by the Native Media Network and posted on the Native Media Network group the Facebook group so if you can't be there at the ceremonies you can see video of what happens there and um, one of the uh, fellows is going to present um the glass blower is nearby, and he makes these little pendants that have a drop of water in them that he gives away to the standing rock water protectors. And so any of them that come to the park at 11 o'clock in the morning, his friend Orlando Vigil is going to be, Orlando Cruz is going to be giving um, these water drop pendants to anybody who went to the standing rock. And um, I Sorry, I don't remember his name offhand. The glass blower, I'll find it before we quit, maybe. Um, so I want to get into um, on the. I've been working with the Jose Federico Munoz on Facebook. Uh, that's his name on Facebook, and he's a Mayan sacred calendars keeper, and. Right now, he's teaching about, and these Mayan calendar keepers keep track of, they're trained since children, and he says there's 350,000 of them around the world. Uh, His particular mission is carrying on instructions that were delivered in the year 1444 about the world peace beginning on December 21st, 2021, which he's doing a ceremony to mark that at that time. And in the interim, he's been given instructions to make these calendar dream catcher structures play banners of the 25 archetypal symbols on the new six sun sacred calendar that began December 21st in the year uh, 2012, the big hoopla about the big Mayan calendar day turned out to be the end of one 26,000-year cycle and also the end of another 5,000-something-year cycle on one of these other calendars, but the beginning of a new 26,000-year cycle. And the old calendar like that had 20 symbols, the new one has 25. So he's building 100 of these between now and December 2021, 100 of these Mayan calendar dream catchers, which... Basically, it's a um, 25 poles, 
spaced apart in a circle 33 feet or more in diameter, and between them are spun the banners with the name and the symbol of that's on the calendar. And then the first one was built in Santa Barbara in uh, April Lucidity Festival, and April 8th, Buddha's birthday, um, he led a fire ceremony, Mayan fire ceremony procession. A lot of people, very well respected among all the indigenous people, they created there with the the Lakota Robert White Mountain and um, the Lock. I don't want to try to pronounce his last name from the South Lake Tahoe, the Washoe people, and uh, one of the Hopi who were there all agreed. He created this home team, honoring Mother Earth um, team, to create these calendars. And the first one, the Lucidity Festival, had a structure in the middle of my design, which Jose calls a Metatron structure. It could be a tent frame. I had it set up as a tent frame. It kind of looks like a crystal-shaped teepee type thing, but not a teepee. Uh, it's a meditation structure. And he put that in the middle of the first one. And then the the other one was uh, just, uh, I don't think they had a tree plucked in the middle in South Dakota at the Standing Rock Living Wheel Medicine Park, Medicine Wheel Living Park. And then the third one in the South Lake Tahoe, they planted a tree in the middle of it. And then that got me, gave me the idea. Uh, and then the next one, there's two of them we're going to do in Los Angeles. It'll be the 15th and 16th of September, this month in Los Angeles. There's two of these gonna, sacred calendars and structures going to be set up. They're dream catchers. What's a dream catcher weaving over the top as a, his thing about catching the dreams for world peace type of thing. And uh, so that gave me the idea, well, when they, if the Santa Fe Indian School agrees to receive the Global Peace Walk and uh, plant a cherry tree as a symbol of peace, but the tree of peace is a pine tree. And so Yamato wants to embody this symbol of the tree of peace into the cherry tree planting because the cherry tree is so symbolic all around the world. Um, in Washington, D.C., mm-hmm. they have a cherry blossom festival every year, and the president's wife is always the queen of the cherry blossom festival. And so I suggested to him, well, how about planting a pine tree, tree of peace, following the Iroquois symbol of the great law of peace, and the same day, same ceremony, plant the cherry tree, and then the, and the ceremony, make that that the symbolism connection between the cherry tree of peace and the great law of peace, pine tree of peace. And then because I saw Jose Munoz planting a tree in the middle of the one in South Lake Tahoe on the video, I thought, well, could put the calendar, the Mayan calendar dream catcher around the tree of peace, and that would be like a very powerful symbolic union of the eagle and the condor prophecy, which Chief Phil Lane talks about a lot, being, you know, a long time ago, the tribes, the people were free to go up and down from North and South America, and every so many years they'd actually go meet with one another. The last one of these big meetings that Jose talks about, June 21st, the year 1444, tribes from all over. Maybe they had to travel a year to get there. I don't know. But uh, 
they were given their instructions and warnings and calendars and symbols and then um, warned of what was going to happen about the European invasion coming. And um, so they're the con- symbolized by the condor in the south and middle is the Petzal bird. Different tribes are given their bird symbols and North America is generally associated with the eagle symbol. <coughs> well, there's eagles and many kinds of eagles in Japan and the condor in Tibet is a very special bird in that that's the, the air burial there. They addition away in Tibet there's not so much wood to burn bodies so they they take the bodies and feed them to the vultures in a ceremonial way to the condors there. So there's this international eagle condor symbolism going on but Chief Elaine gave us the vision the Facebook page is for the, reu- the reunion of the the reunion of the condor and eagle and beyond, the beyond meaning all the various prophecies for peace of all the different cultures coming together, since they're all coming from one source, and we can see they're all, all these prophecies for peace mark them as they're coming true over time, as depicted in the Warriors of the Rainbow Book on the Mutual Prophecy Fulfillment. So this idea of planting a, a tree, cherry tree representing the east and the pine tree, the great law of peace representing the Americas, the great law of peace and the eagle symbol in the North America and then putting a ca- one of these Mayan calendar dream catchers around each of them at the Santa Fe Indian School with their support and the support of the 19 Pueblo governors is the proposal that's been submitted to them. And I made a mistake in the email address and didn't discover it for a week. So I just last few days resubmitted that to the uh, person that was given to me on the phone, the the name of the person at the Indian Seneca Indian School to start the ball rolling to discuss all this. And in there, I made sure to let them know if they want to come, if any of them come this Sunday to the ceremonies in Taos to connect with Yamato and Harmon, and we can talk more about this. Yamato wanted to, his original idea for the walk next year was to plant the Rosario Cemetery, where he always starts the walk from Santa Fe Taos, but it's it's where the Japanese concentration camp survivors and the remaining ones, their graves are there. It's a national kind of cemetery and too much red tape to plant a cherry tree there. So Harmon suggested that the Santa Fe Indian School um, might be a more ideal place. And I think it's a terrific idea, a really major event. We want to invite all the top leaders of all kinds, spiritual leaders, political leaders that we can to come next Earth Day, April 22nd. Um, that'll be the 50th Earth Day uh, and the 25th annual Global Peace Walk between Taos and Santa Fe. And this is all to set the stage for the Global Peace Forum that I mentioned earlier that uh, is planned to take place in Santa Fe um, October 24th to 31st. Also, already in the works is uh, in March 20th, um, in Mora, New Mexico, which is not 
it's almost in a triangle between Santa Fe and Taos. Um, there's already a plan to erect one of these uh, Mayan six sun sacred calendar dream catchers in Mora on the tw- uh, and they've agreed on the 20th of March. And the reason is that um, the 20th, of, well, it's the spring equinox. And uh, see, when Earth Day was first started, it was started by a man named John McConnell. And it was set for March 20th, which is a natural New Year's Day on so many calendars around the world, the spring equinox. And he has the Earth Charter. If you look up Earth Day, in Wikipedia, you'll get directed to John McConnell, and he created the Earth Charter. All these really, really nice documents to go along with the theme of Earth Day to help bring peace. But then, while he was promoting that, um, Gaylord Nelson and others got the idea, well, it's a great idea, but the March 20th is too early for some parts of the country so let's do another one, April 22nd, call out Earth Day. And so for, for the decades of, last decades of John McConnell's life, he lived into his 90s, he was always kind of embittered that they took the steam out of his spiritual mission. And they still ring the bell at Spring Equinox that the United Nations recognizes that as Earth Day. Um, and I felt sorry for John and didn't know what to do until this came about when we could do two Mayan calendar dreamcatcher installations, one on the, tip, the original Earth Day in Mora, and then one on the popular Earth Day, the April 22nd Earth Day at the Santa Fe Indian School, and then in the process of promoting that, bring out this deeper message about Earth Day. And, uh, you know, in John McConnell's memory, get his message out more. So, um, then the next thing, uh, date-wise, is um, April 28th is a very special day um, in the, you know, there's many, many different sects of Buddhism, as you know, and most people think of Buddhism as a religion, and maybe they think people are praying to Buddha or something, but that's not what it's all about. Basically, this human being 2,500 years or so ago figured out something with the intent of a, developing a message to relieve human suffering. And in attaining this state of consciousness called enlightenment, um, and doing it, being able to teach about it so well, he became so revered as a, as a teacher. But it, as, as a, one of the Vietnamese monks put it, it's Buddhism is more of a practice like yoga than a religion. And I've even seen quotes from Holy Dalai Lama that Buddhism is more like a science of the mind. So, of course, there's a spirit behind it all. I'm a scientist coming from the Western tradition, which is all based on reason. No room for intuition and spiritual stuff in Western science. That's what I'm trying to correct. And then the Eastern science is more intuitive-based. In recent years, they're coming together, much, much more so since 1997 when I put together a briefing for the man who was then known as the science advisor to the Dalai Lama, Robert Livingston, at UCSV. 
comparing ancient knowledge and modern science. And Yamato was there, and Corbin Harney, the Shoshone leader, and Chumash elders, and some of the scientists I brought to demonstrate all of their free energy machines and different kinds of technologies to replace nuclear power and fossil fuel power and heal the planet. And we got all that on video, but then I could never get it edited. But Robert Livingston took it all in and, and mysteriously wandered into the same room with the Dalai Lama some couple of weeks later. And um, so we did this briefing for him. And since then, of course, and even before then, Holiness Dalai Lama was very into science. And there's a whole whole bunch of people working on this idea. How does the mind connect with reality? What's the what's this mental relationship, the mind relationship between that's that's where I'm in, most interested in as a scientist in my Tetron Natural Unified Field case. So April 28th, I was going to say that there's two special days in Buddhism during the year, and this is maybe not all sects recognize these particular dates, but uh, I'm most familiar with the Japanese monks, Guruji's followers, and uh, right now they're doing seven days fasting around the world at all the temples, and the one particular monk I'm following closely is in China, I think at the place where the Lotus Sutra is translated from Sanskrit to Chinese, they do fasting all day, seven days, beating the drum and chanting to, to end on the seventh So, in, as a offering and a prayer for December 8th, which is the anniversary of the Buddha's enlightenment. And the other special day is April 8th, which is uh, Shakyamuni's birthday. So then there's another one from the Nichiren school uh, that's a special date, and that's April 28th. And the reason is that, and I think the, this is the exact number of years is right, 757 years ago, this is when the St. Nichiren first put the voice, this mantra, Namum Yoho Ringu Kyo, and with the teaching that this vocalization embodies all the teachings of the Lotus Sutra, kind of the core teachings of, of the Buddha, and all you need to do is pronounce this syllable, these seven syllables, and everything will be cool. You'll, you'll tune in to this natural law, and you'll have those coincidences in your life, and you'll get the direction you need, and eventually it'll lead to peace on earth and pure land, kind of a analogous to the Hopi prophecy. And I, my experience since 1976 in following Thomas Panyaka is a Hopi prophecy teachings or Hopi life plan teachings that he called prophecy to get people in the West to come to grips with it. In his original letter in 1961, that, that central chapter of the Warriors of the Rainbow 1962 book was written about, it talks about the quote-unquote true white brother whose skin may or may not be white and maybe many in population having the help of two helpers, one with the sign of the sun and one with the sign of something that looked like a four-leaf clover and a swastika or like a double dorje in a swastika. So my experience uh, in 1976 and 1977 was that, at least from my limited relative perspective, those two helpers of the Tibetan monks, 
Tibetan Buddhism and the Japanese Buddhism. For me personally, that's why I beat the drum and chant, not because I'm a Buddhist, but because the Hopi prophecy predicts many new inventions, and that's what my theory is all about, my equations, and that the, the help of two helpers being the Tibetan and the Japanese Buddhist with those signs, and it goes, and the and the first one, the Bahana, and the second one, the first helper with the sign of swastika and this four-leaf clover shape, would join together with the third one, the second helper, with the sign of the sun, and come as one to bring purification. <coughs> the purification of mind necessary to get rid of all the garbage, mind washing to get the desires and personal attachments out to tune into this natural order, this natural law, this yellow bird guidance, this green tower guidance, divine guidance, whatever you want to call it, in one's life. So that's why I beat the drum and chant and uh, never could explain that until I met, was in Atlanta uh, and met with uh, Utsumi Shoni and Denise there in the Ponzan Yahoji and finally after all these years, since 1976, was able to explain more in detail about this. They all look at me kind of like askance. They don't quite understand what I'm up to. So um, the reason I keep dwelling on that is because uh, this unit, this is a universal medicine word mantra, namun yoho rengeke. It's not limited to, as Nepashi taught me, not limited to any sect or religion, but it's universal. All cultures um, can adopt this if they want. And um, it's kind of like when I went to the Hopi Kachina dances, most impactful one in 1976 in July was the Comanche dance. And by coincidence, one of those kind of coincidences, when I went this this uh, June um, to Hotevilla with Omao, uh, the, the same one was going on, the Comanche dance, two-day dance, but the noteworthy thing is that they're singing in the Comanche language. So this is apparently how the Hopi were able to be at peace with all the different tribes as they learned their sacred songs and incorporated them into their, their prayer dances. So it's not unusual for one tribe or one culture to take up another culture's word or symbol or mantra like all the I sometimes tease the people at the rainbow gatherings, oh, you're all Hindus because you say Om in the circle. That's the big thing. Everybody goes Om. So, you know, it's, it's not such a big thing. It's just more syllables. Namu, Myoho, Renge, Kyo. But anyway, the April 28th next year will be the 757th anniversary of this first vocalization by St. Nichiren with this message. And so that's why um, I've proposed to Yamato, and he's agreed, and to Jose Munoz, and he's agreed. So we now just need public support to create a really super Mayan calendar dream catcher with this Metatron um, shape, like a uh, yeah, like analogous to a 20-foot teepee kind of dwelling in the middle of the calendar structure. On Yamato's land, it's 20 acres of empty land out on the mesa, uh, to help bring the community and the people together in a spiritual way and get to know one another and part of the global community and work together towards the idea of building the stupa 
down the road or as soon as it, if small one could be built sooner um, and also to help uh, with, with this building up the, the community energy towards the Global Peace Forum in 2020. So this will be six days after the walk ends on Earth Day at the Indian Center to create this larger scale uh, my sacred sun, six sun sacred calendar Mayan dream catcher on Yamato's land. And Yamato itself means great harmony. Before the nation of Japan was formed, that's a, Japan, that's a Portuguese word, um, they called themselves Nihon since the nation was started, the origin of the land of the origin of the sun. But before that, before the militarized nation state of Japan was started to defend itself from the foreign invasion, the whole land was called Yamato, the land of great harmony. So that's why I kind of call his 20 acres out there Yamato land. But that's where I propose to build this uh, and have a dedication on April 28th next year. So, um, and I, I've got eight minutes left on the podcast. So I want to, um, and I noticed now that it's not recording on the, I forgot to push merge calls. So the conference call is not recording. So I'm going to end this um, here in, oh, I guess I have 10 minutes left now, it looks like. Um, So I want to say a little bit about um, Nichiren Daishoni, St. Nichiren, um, because not so many people in the West know who this man was. He lived around 700, 757 years ago, he wrote this treatise about the, well, Kevin, give me a couple of years of it because I, I'm not sure, but the, that was the putting to voice about the Namo Myoho Rengekyo being the essence of the teachings of Buddha. He wrote a treatise called Risho Onkokuron to gave it to the government. And he basically said the same thing Thomas Banyaka said to the United Nations. Look, you're you're making a mistake. You're not you there's gonna be more natural disasters, there's more gonna be more civil unrest, there's gonna be more wars if we keep the idea of making up laws and enforcing them by violence instead of paying attention to the natural law that the Thomas called the natural law and that the Iroquois referred to as the great law of peace and it's all of its codifications in their culture and that Nietzsche refers to as Yoho, the wonderful law. Coincidence, the Ho is the law. Um, so he told them, if you don't uh, straighten up and fly right, then there's going to be, uh, you know, earthquake. There's going to be a foreign invasion. There's going to be a big typhoon, and uh, you know, so pay, pay respect to the natural this cosmic law, this inviolably sovereign cosmic law, and everything will be great. And so they branded him as seditious, and then ordered his execution. And uh, talk about coincidences and how they impact, just like the basement flooding and turning off the lights when Thomas 
called the prayer circle together after they all talked to the UN and the UN didn't listen to their message about this very thing saying there were going to be more storms <laughs> as if to punctuate his talk well in St. Nietzsche's case they ordered his execution right so they go to chop off his head and then lightning strikes the executioner's sword and breaks it so they take that as a sign that well, maybe they shouldn't try to kill him, and they banished him to the cold island, Sado Island, up in the north of Japan. For umpteen years, he lived there in the cold without any support while his prophecies came true. So, yeah, there was a big earthquake, and then the, the over a period of time, the Mongols were uh, massing on the other side of the ocean to invade Japan with such a force they would have easily overwhelmed it. And uh, everybody was worried this, those days took a long time to build up so they knew it was coming. And so the Mongol fleet sails, typhoon comes up and wipes them out. And this is what they call in their language that typhoon wind they call kamikaze, divine wind. Well, that, that was misused in World War II the name of those suicide bombers, just like they misused the spiritual name of Yamato and called their biggest battleship. All nation-state governments are misusing the spiritual symbols. If you, the most impressive speech to me, so finish a little bit, say Nietzsche's story, after these things happened, the kind of government kind of freaked out and brought him back and said, okay, don't bother us, we won't bother you and let him live his life out. But this is a, just to emphasize that it's worth paying attention to this teaching that comes us from the land of the sun, the origin of sun, the land of great harmony. And uh, um, so, so um, okay, so that's April 28th. And she'll go out to St. Nietzschean. Um see what else is on my agenda here. Um, okay, so Yamato's idea is to, this is not just a peace pagoda as the most of the Japanese monks stupas are called, but this should embody the principle of universal love. Unconditional love is whatever that we need to is what we need to propagate in order to bring peace. So this would be my proposal is call it the Prema Shanti Stupa. Prema is divine love. Shanti is a peace, peace of mind. And the Sangha is a, usually called the fellowship of believers, but in this case it's the global community. So it looks like I have about 60 seconds to finish. Um... So let's see. I'll just uh, oh, global oneness. Uh, oneness. <laughs> 2019 is the global oneness year, and then uh, that's what we're focusing on with the walk. And then 2020, begin a decade of global oneness with the Global Peace Forum in Santa Fe. So thank you very much. Um, I hope this recording works out okay. I'll try to play it back into the other thing for transcription. And um, I hope I covered everything that I said that I would 
in my announcement. This is David Williams on behalf of the Great Spirit Relay here in Taos, trying to help Yamato with his Love of Peace Walk project. The Shanti, the Prima Shanti Stupa, and we'll greet the Tibetan monks. Namun Yohorengiku, Torakum, Torakum, Torak.